0: Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm your host, JJ Jurjevic. Joining me this evening is the whole crew, Todd Quarter and Wayne Ridenour in Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And of course, search Apple and Spotify. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a thumbs up, follow us, whatever you got to do. Uh, At JJ Get You One is my personal Twitter. At RWY Jr. is Wayne's. And at
1: Quarter Todd for T.C. Todd Quarter. Wayne, how you doing this evening, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, but, you know, I've, I understand there's a controversy brewing in college football uh, involving uh, these uh, neutral site games and that a lot of college towns would prefer they not do that. And I'm kind of in agreement with them because that's the whole college experience is that you go to the home schools, home, you know, field and play instead of some random place that uh, is equidistant or maybe not from both schools.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm doing great. That's better than Matt Ryan's doing right now. His tenure is Colts QB1. Uh, Not looking good right now. News broke that the Colts would bench Matt Ryan for the remainder of the season. For Sam Ettlinger, uh, six-round pick out of Texas. Despite the injury, uh, they said that doesn't matter. We're still sitting them. Uh, so, uh, that's, a, that's a tough way to ride out for Matt Ryan. I hope he gets another chance later in the season with either Colts or another team. TC, how you doing tonight, buddy?
2: Doing great. To pick up on what Wayne said in regards to these bowl games or even, excuse me, non-conference games at the beginning of the year, uh, I'd like to see them get away from the neutral site also. Um, uh, I'd like to see them play each game on campus. And, 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 and also, when the playoff eventually gets here to 12 teams, I, I definitely would like to see games on, on campuses and, and not in neutral site. And, and the NCAA, they're discussing that, uh, that they're going to put these games uh, on campuses and not in neutral sites. I, I just like that atmosphere much better. I, expect, I like a little bit of a home you know a home and home series instead of a neutral site. Uh, that's the way it should be, but then again, these places like Jerry World and, and uh, uh, a year in Atlanta with Mercedes Benz, you know, they get a, lot, get a lot of money, and it is about the money. And if you want to uh, talk about any answer for any type of sport, whether it's high school, college, or professional, uh, just follow the money, and that will get your answer.
0: What's on tap for today? Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, joins us for our weekly Panthers update. Uh, TC and I preview our SIAC game of the week on ESPN Plus, and we'll just do the pick six tonight. Kind of short and simple. Without further ado, we welcome back friend of the show and voice of the Georgia State Panthers, Dave Cohen. Dave, glad to have you back. Thanks for coming on. And boy, those pictures of the new GSU Convocation Center, is, uh, they're wonderful. Uh, tell our listeners what the men's and women's basketball team to uh, have to look forward to this fall.
3: Yep, they're uh, moving on to the Georgia State Sports Arena, where I've been uh, calling games since, what, 1982 and 83, when we got started. And uh, Georgia State uh, building the brand-new GSU Convocation Center uh, just up the street from Center Park Credit Union Stadium and just up the street from the site of the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, which will eventually uh, be the site of a new Georgia State baseball facility, uh, hopefully sooner than later. But, yeah, the new Convocation Center is open. And uh, hard to believe my first basketball game in there uh, as a radio only is coming up on Halloween night, Monday, as uh, Georgia State will play their one and only exhibition game against the Maroon Tigers of Morehouse College. Uh, the women are going to play an exhibition game against Agnes Scott on October 30th, so they will play the first basketball game in there. Uh, but looking forward, I was in there the other night for uh, the GSU Jam. Uh, which was really a student event, a way to introduce students to this year's Georgia State basketball teams, both men and women. But yeah, fantastic facility. It'll seat 7,500 for basketball, 8,000 overall, if you're putting seats on the floor for any other kind of an event. And really something that Georgia State has needed, not just from an athletic standpoint, but from a university standpoint for a number of years uh, with regards to everything from on-campus events all the way to the top of the totem pole with uh, Georgia State graduation ceremonies. Uh, so throw in men's and women's basketball. And, uh, it's, again, it's something that Georgia State really needed. And, again, I'll be in there again on Monday night, uh, Halloween night for uh, the one and only exhibition game. And then Georgia State will open the regular season. The men will open the regular season November 7 against Coastal Georgia.
2: All right, Dave. Uh, thanks for the update on the new arena. Uh, can't wait for the season to start. Let's flip over to uh, football. Disappointing loss to Appalachian State, 42 to 17. Their defense forced turnovers on Georgia State's opening uh, three drives of the second half. And they also what uh, got a fumble with about a minute and change left in the fourth. Uh, they ran for over 400. Georgia State ran for over 200. But the turnovers did them again, and and Dave, this place has been a house of horrors for Georgia State, and now trying to make a bowl game at 2-5 and five is going to be tough sledding.
3: Uh, no question. And uh, you know what we talked about on the post-game show on the radio, and I know this is extremely cliché-ish because you hear it all the time about teams at halftime making adjustments. Georgia State came out. And played really well in that first quarter, both offensively and defensively. Had a 14-0 lead, moving the ball at will. Defense not allowing Appalachian State to do much of anything. Uh, So a 14-0 lead at the end of the first. They did score a touchdown in the second. It took a 14-7 lead into the locker room there at uh, the stadium in Boone uh, at halftime. And I don't know what Appalachian State's coaching staff talked about at halftime. Again. It's, it's a massive sports cliche, but they did make an adjustment. And the adjustment that they made, and it worked to a tee, because you're right, they rushed for a total of 404 yards, um, did not do a lot against us, against Georgia State in the air. Their adjustment was, we're going to go ahead and we're going to run the football. And we're going to run the football until Georgia State proves they can stop us. And right up until the final buzzer, we never proved that we could stop them 404 yards later. And a 14 nothing lead at the end of the first quarter, Georgia State got outscored 42-3 to in quarters 2, 3, and 4. So that was pretty much the game right there. I mean, Georgia State was not able to slow down their running backs. And, um, you know, if you can't stop the run, you're in trouble. And as good of a quarterback as Chase Bryce is, now this is a kid that started his collegiate career. He's out of Grayson High School here in the Atlanta area. Started out at Clemson, went from Clemson to Duke, and went from Duke to Appalachian State. He's one of the best better quarterbacks in the Sun Belt Conference. Um, he had two touchdowns in the second half, both one-yard runs. Um, But he did not hurt us in the air. They hurt us with their ground game. And we couldn't stop the run. And that was really, to be honest with you, that was the story of the game. Our offense, their defense really stepped up. Way too many three and outs for us. Yes, there were a couple of turnovers. But we could not stop their run game. And 404 yards later, they had put 42 points up on the board, uh, starting with that second quarter first touchdown score.
2: Interesting fact, you notice that App State only threw about, you know, the same amount of yards as Georgia State in the 60s and 70s. But you know, when the opposing defense gives up almost six, seven yards a carry, they just got gashed. And, and, and Dave, uh, you know, it's it, it, the defense is at its ups and downs this season, unfortunately. And uh, you know, with Old Dominion coming up, uh, who poses quite a threat. Because they're playing for something. Uh, they've got, you know, if they keep winning out, they would get at State towards the end of the year. What does uh, Georgia State need to do uh, to get this passing going, to get some balance on offense, and then turn around on the flip side on defense? What do they need to do uh, to get better to stop the run?
3: Well, it starts up front, obviously. Uh... Obviously, Appalachian State's got one of the better offensive lines in the Sun Belt, and they were able to open gaps, clear a path for uh, you know their running backs, uh, Cameron Peoples, uh, Daytrick Harrington, both ran the ball really well. Amani Marshall ran the ball really well, you know, for Appalachian State. But you know, it's going to start up front because I'm sure if you're old Dominion, all you got to do is go back and watch the game. It was nationally televised on the radio as well, but nationally televised, everybody saw what Appalachian State did uh, successfully in the second quarter and then really in the second half, mostly in the second half. So if you're Old Dominion, you're going to come in, you're going to try to run the football. And if they did, I wouldn't blame them. That's what I would try to do uh, until we prove that we can stop it. You know, uh, know, Old Dominion is a team that I'm not going to say we're familiar with them because we haven't played them since you know, early in Georgia State's football history when we were both in the Colonial Athletic Association, but we're 0-3 against them, if my memory serves me correct, all time. So like Appalachian State, where we're 0-9, you know, we're looking for our first win against Old Dominion. And it's homecoming. It's been homecoming all week on the Georgia State campus. Nobody ever wants to lose their homecoming game. Uh, But even talking to a couple of players this week for our Georgia State football practice reports that we use on the radio, and most recently, Tucker Gregg. I even said, Hey, with all the festivities, you got to kind of push that aside and really focus on the task at hand. And he even said, Look, yeah, we know it's homecoming. We haven't paid any attention to any homecoming festivities. All of our focus and concentration uh, this week at practice is getting ready for Old Dominion. And, you know, Old Dominion, like Southern Miss, like um, Marshall, um and like James Madison, they're all the four newcomers to the Sunbelt Conference. Uh you know, James Madison won their first five ball games. They've you know they, they have since found a, a spot in the loss column. Uh but, but still, Old Dominion, they're transitioning very nicely uh into the Sunbelt Conference from Conference USA. Just like James Madison, who we've got to play in a few weeks, has transitioned nicely from a top five FCS program into the Sunbelt Conference. So I expect it to be a pretty good football game. Again, it's going to start up front. Uh, They do have a pretty good quarterback in Hayden Wolf. He just threw for 328 yards uh, in their loss uh, to Georgia Southern, uh, 28-23. So they're looking to bounce back from a loss as well. So this is going to be their first trip to Atlanta, their uh, first trip to Atlanta in, in a few years, but their first trip to Center Park Stadium. And uh, hopefully we'll have nice weather, uh, no elements, and Georgia State can come out and play the way they played against Georgia Southern and play the way they played against Army and not the way they played in the second half against Appalachian State.
2: You know, this Hayden Wolf uh, uh, poses quite a threat. You just mentioned him, and he doesn't turn the football only over two interceptions this year, so, you know, they're quite balanced. Uh, they've Most of their yards has been in the air this year, Dave, so, uh, you know, keeping this uh, uh, kid uh, from throwing the football downfield may be the first priority, you know, uh, a la stopping the run, and, uh, you know, this is a team that uh, is going to give Georgia State fits defensively.
3: Yeah, and the, there's a couple of players we're going to need to keep an eye on. Ali Jennings, the third, is their top receiver. He had nine catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown in the Georgia Southern game. He's already one of, statistically, one of the top receivers in the Sun Belt. And uh, the guy that will carry the ball, a bulk, uh, is their running back Blake Watson. He had 108 yards rushing and a touchdown against Georgia Southern. Um, so. You know, I don't have their numbers right in front of me as far as how balanced they are with regards to pass to run. But, um, you know, they come in at three and four. They're two and one already in the Sun Belt. We're two and five and one and two. Uh, so, you know, that I don't think they necessarily have anything to prove. If anything, Georgia State has something to prove. It's ability to bounce back from, you know, a bad loss in Boone uh, to the Mountaineers. The other thing that's a little concerning is Georgia State's third down percentage. Um right now Georgia State's about thirty-nine percent on third down opportunities. The reason I bring that up is opponents are about forty-six percent on third down opportunities, which means Georgia State defensively has got to do a better job on opponents' third down opportunities and get them off the field and try to cut drives and not let these drives continue on. Uh so from a defensive standpoint, I would point to that and our corners and safeties are going to have to keep an eye on Ali Jennings and the rest of the guys that, uh, you know, Wolf has been targeting this year.
0: You're listening to Dave Cohen right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can find Dave on Twitter at G.A. State Voice. Dave, tell our listeners how they can catch the Panther Insider Podcast and the game on Saturday and hear your call.
3: Well, you mentioned the Panther Insider Podcast, so we do that on a Fairly regular basis. The most recent podcast, which will be out this week, We really an interesting conversations. Uh, the first segment is with Brad Horton, who heads up the academic support uh, area for athletics and the challenges that they face from that standpoint. Because you remember, we're talking about student athletes uh, across the country, and so we talked to Brad about uh, you know what what Georgia State's ongoing plan is with regards to to making sure that these students are graduating at a high percentage rate. And really, one of the things we talked about was his focus on not necessarily just graduating, uh, but life after graduation, career paths after graduation. In other words, Georgia State doesn't necessarily just kick you to the curb once you graduate. Athletics wants to maintain that relationship and help steer student-athletes into a career path, which is above and beyond just academic support. Then we do talk to two student athletes. We talked to um, Kyler Tolvert, who plays women's basketball, and Seth Glazier, who's from the uh, Georgia State football team. He's our one of our long snappers, happens to be injured, got injured earlier this year, uh, but he was a finalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy, uh, which is given annually to the top scholar athlete in college football. Just to be nominated is an honor among itself, Uh, to win it would be fantastic. But we talked to those two about what it's like to be living in downtown Atlanta, playing Division I college athletics and football and women's basketball and balancing that with being a student. So that will come out this week. If you want to listen to the game, Saturday, 2.30 airtime on our 50,000-watt Atlanta flagship, 88.5 FM WRAS. Uh, We have our AM FM in Gainesville, Georgia, WGTJ. Lowcountryradio.com, if you want to listen online. You can also uh, listen via the GSU Athletics mobile app and the TuneIn Radio mobile app. So multiple ways uh, to follow us uh, as we bring Georgia State football and starting next week, Georgia State basketball to the Panther fans.
0: Well, as always, Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers. Thanks for coming on, Dave. We appreciate it. And go Panthers. Hopefully we can talk to you next week at 3 and 5.
3: That would be nice. Appreciate being on with you guys again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right. Yes, sir. Dave Cohen, thanks for coming on. We always appreciate it. Let's move on. And, uh, TC, let's talk about a hard game, man. And, folks, uh, for those of you who are not paying attention, Todd and I are doing the SIAC Game of the Week on ESPN Plus Saturday 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from Alumni Stadium in Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, Todd on the play-by-play, myself on the color commentary. Todd, let's break down this game a little bit, man, and uh, I'll just throw the ball in your court, Mr. Play-by-play.
2: Well, Tuskegee comes in 6-2, six and six-game winning streak. Uh, played a lot of road games this season. Each club has played a lot of road games. Some similarities there. Kentucky State four and four. Uh, they're four and one in the SIAC. Tuskegee five and zero. Um, you know Kentucky State lost its first four ball games of the year, and they won their next four. They had a a brutal uh, you know brutal non conference schedule. Lost to. Ranked Delta State, lost to Fort Valley State in a squeaker. They're almost ranked. They lost to D1 Dayton, and they lost to a ranked Benedict team, and it it turned around for them with a win at Savannah State. Then Fort Tuskegee, six in a row, like I mentioned, turned around. They won against West Alabama. That's a really good win. They've got wins against Allen, Clark, Atlanta, Morehouse, Central State, and of course the Squeaker last week against Lane, which put them in this position to win the West. If they win the West, uh, if they win this week, they do win the West. They are the SIAC West champions. Or Kentucky State, if they win, then next week they win at Central State. You and I will have that game. They will win the West, but uh, you know Kentucky State can't go to the playoffs. But if they can reach the Conference championship game after an 0-4 start would be quite a quite a um, quite a feat. And of course, Tuskegee they have quite a feat for sure. They have quite a history, uh, uh, a ton of SIC championships, a ton of West Division titles. They've won uh, national championships um, uh, and, and also, and you know, this is quite a uh, quite a story for them. They have a first-year head coach, Reynolds, Reginald Ruffin, six and two. He's the AD. Uh, he was at Miles. Uh, he went 71 and 46 uh, at Miles, and you know he took Miles uh, to uh, several SIAC championships. So Reginald is going to bring his lucky uh, rabbit's foot, as he told us in uh, uh, the uh, in our, um, our conference call with him this week he's done a uh, just a fantastic job at Tuskegee and and if they went out, they've got a shot to get in the D two tournament. So a lot on the line. And and JJ, you know, when we had the call with um Paul uh, head coach Paul Hamilton today from Kentucky State, you know, he's got the uh, uh you know, he's got a lot of Paul Johnson in him. They're gonna run that um <clears throat> excuse me, and that and uh, Fisher DeBerry. Uh, they have a lot of that uh, in them that they're going to run the uh, triple option. And I'll tell you what, Tuskegee, it really hasn't seen that offense this year. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see what Tuskegee's going to do to stop that Kentucky State offense. That's, that's one of the big storylines of the game. And if you want to flip the script, Tuskegee's really balanced, and they're led by their quarterback there, uh, Bryson Williams, who can run and throw it. So those are the big storylines for me. What are are, are some for you? Well,
0: there's plenty to talk about. You could talk about how uh, Reginald Ruffin transferred over from Miles last year, brought his running back Edwards with him. uh, Two really backfields, uh, plentiful backfields in both schools, uh, Torin Torin Taylor and uh dante edwards and uh uh, for tuskegee and you cross over onto kentucky state chris conway uh you know uh, unfortunately injury uh some of these guys other players have had to step up saquon oliver has done just that and conway one of the league leaders in rushing in division two up there at the top same with their offense right there one of the best in the country and d2 level and You've nailed it right on the head, Todd. This is probably the biggest game of the weekend in the SIAC, if not D2 all around. So many implications all around. Um, I'm really excited to see a triple option offense. It's fun to watch if it's perfected. And we called a game last year in which it was perfected and where Kentucky State routed Central State 63 to nothing. And if the option's working like that, Coach Ruffin said it best, you can't simulate it in practice because you can't practice it unless you got the guy that can run the four or5 like the Kentucky states have at both both p- quarterback positions. Uh, it's 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 going to be a game time decision uh, for one of the quarterbacks. We'll see what happens there and I can't wait to call the game on Saturday.
2: Well it is a game time decision uh, between you know Jalen Myers is a game time decision we'll see. Uh, Jonathan Jerry has a lot of experience. Uh, running this offense. So Kentucky State has a lot of uh, lot of experience, two quarterbacks and potentially three that can run this triple option and and they don't throw it much. That would be my concern is if they got behind two Tuskegee, they they you not know, throw the ball four or five times a week. if they get themselves in a two score situation down or more, are they going to be able to catch up? You, you know you mentioned the running game. Uh, in 2021, the K, you know, KSU offense finished in the top 10 nationally in Division II in six different categories. They averaged 36 points a game, and they were number one in rushing offense. So, you know, this is going to be a, a contrast to styles. Time of possession, to me, is critical in this game. If Kentucky State can possess it, not turn it over and keep the dual threat Bryson Williams off the field. Uh, You know, it it could be a long game, a long day for Tuskegee. But if Tuskegee can run and throw it and get Kentucky State out in in some three and outs and and start flipping the pace of the football game and keep the field uh, flipped, you know, it could be a long day. But I I think it's going to be a really close game, JJ. You and I anticipate that. And it may come down to special teams at the end. Uh, we shall see. You know, of, of, of the field goal kickers of the two teams, I, I like the advantage to Skeegy and Arnest. kick? Uh, yep. Who's got who's got a leg? And 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 that could be the difference in the game. You know, yeah, last he's
0: year hit two from 40-plus yards. Yeah, so I, I agree with you there.
2: Yeah, Kentucky State last year defeated uh, Tuskegee. Uh, the overall series uh, is in favor. 19 to three, but Kentucky State get, did get them last year, and the series goes back to 1998. And uh, you know, it's senior day for these kids. We never did mention that to coach in the press conference uh, today. So the Kentucky State, State seniors will be playing their last game at home, and that's always special for a college af- athlete.
0: Absolutely, uh, your your final time, uh, your final home stadium. Uh, you know, representing your school, your family, your family usually comes into town, goes on a pregame ceremony, absolutely a little bit of emotion, and uh, again, you don't need motivation for this one, this is an SIAC West Divisional Championship game, again, you can catch the call, Todd Quarter. yours truly on the play-by-play, uh, and myself, J.J. Jerjevich, on the color commentary. Again, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Tap the ESPN app on ESPN Plus, and you can catch our call. Uh, TC, any final thoughts on this game before we move to the famous pick six?
2: Man, like I said, to me, the style, the contrast, the time of possessions, and the turnovers, to me, will decide it. And for a program like Tuskegee, they've been there and done that. Uh, Some of these kids may not have but they know the tradition of the school. We're really, this is pretty new territory for Kentucky State, but, but Paul Han- Hamilton's, uh, you know, he, he was assistant under, uh, I mentioned earlier, under F- uh, Fisher DeBerry, uh, you know, over at, at in state. yeah, and, and and also under Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech. So, you know, he's got a lot of experience coaching you know, I, to me, it's, it always comes down to the players on the field. But, man, I, you know, I expect a really big crowd at Kentucky State on Saturday, so we'll have a, a good home field advantage. But to me, it comes down to pace and turnovers.
0: And whoever does that the best is going to win it. We'll move on to the famous pick six, and I agree 100%. Last week, Wayne and TC took the cake at four and two. Overall, Wayne is 27, 19, and 2. TC's three games behind at 24, 22, and 2. And I am at 500 at 23, 23, and the deucer. Uh, Let's go ahead. We're doing uh, another 4 and 2 with the bonus, but we're not going to count the bonus. We're just going to do it for fun. Uh, Ohio State, number 2, 7 and 0, at number 13, Penn State, 6 and 1. Ohio State's is 16-and-a-half point favorite, over-under and that one, 61-and-a-half. 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Go TC first, then Wayne, then me.
2: Buckeye's big. I just think Ohio State' is, is offense is going to be too much for Penn State. I think the chance Penn State has is, is to make Ohio State one-dimensional and get turnovers. If they can do that, they can stay in it. It will be, you know, they'll have the home crowd to their advantage. But the Buckeyes defensively are much improved over a year ago, and they're gonna get after Penn State and and, 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 and their offense. I like Ohio State to cover this.
1: Wayne, what you got? Well, I'm taking Penn State in the points because uh, Ohio State will probably win that game, but it won't be by no 17 points. So I'll take Penn State in the points. They're playing up there in State College, and that's uh, not a very easy environment to win or to play. J.J.,
2: what was the spread on that again? What did you say it was?
1: 16
0: and a half in favor of Ohio Ohio State.
2: Okay, I still like it. I mean, I still like
0: it. Yeah, I like Ohio State. I think the fact – Uh, C.J. Stroud is uh, up there for one of the Heisman contenders right now. Him and Hendon Hooker are right at the top. Uh, They got a great run game. Smith and Jigba should be back. And he's one of the best playmakers on the outside in the country. And I always go back to the man, the myth, the legend. He's a great regular season coach. It's Ryan Day. He rarely loses in the regular season. Give me Ohio State to cover. We'll go to our, uh, we'll we'll stick in the Big Ten right quick and go ahead and do our bonus game. It's Michigan, Michigan State. Um, TC, I'll let you talk about this one. We're not gonna do the point spread or anything. We're just gonna pick this one for fun, folks, for a little bonus. Uh, TC, this is one of your favorite rivalries in college football. No doubt being a negative, native, negative,
2: native, native (laughs) Michigander. you know, you look at this series. The Spartans have won 10 in the last four. Michigan is in the last since 1990. The last 13 games, Michigan is 17 and 15 against Michigan State. This rivalry since '90 has really been a really good one. And you know, it's for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. It's 39-28 and two since that trophy. Michigan is the better team. They are favored by 23 now. I see Michigan State covering it. I see Michigan winning the game, but this is Michigan State Super Bowl and if Michigan turns it over, as you know, anything can happen. We've had Spartan Bob with a clock years ago. We had trouble with a snap at Harbaugh's first game. We had the holding in the end zone against Desmond Howard years ago. We've had a lot of strange endings in this rivalry and if it gets close again, does just
0: Michigan State and get another win. We'll see. I like Michigan to win the game. I think they'll cover the original spread. I wouldn't take them at the 23. I think the original <laughs> spread was right around 2021. That's what I would take them at. I think they're about a three-touchdown favorite. I think they'll win the game. Again, I think Blake Corum's one of the best running backs. I think offensive line-wise, Harbaugh coaches them up, and I, I think they're an underrated offensive line yet again. Uh, I, I think Michigan will plow Michigan State and get that rivalry back. Right, uh, going back into the, uh, Wayne, unless you want to pick it real quick for the fun of it.
1: Well, I'm taking it, I'm I'm taking Michigan in the big house because that, that's I don't I wouldn't even care what the spread was. Uh, Michigan State better start thinking about basketball.
2: <laughs>
1: I,
0: We'll go to our second game of the pick six. Back in play here, number nine, Oklahoma State, six and one. The Mullet at Kansas State out there in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, they're five and two, number 22 in the country. Kansas State is a home one point favorite. Again, folks, we pick from Monday's spreads all the games, or Eastern time as well. Uh, it's a one point favorite, Kansas State, over under. That one's 57. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one off. I made the mistake last week. I picked Oklahoma state to win the big 12 preseason. I'm going to stick with them the rest of the year. Give me, give me the mullet. Give me Mike Gundy. Cause I'm a man and I'm 40.
2: That's all I got.
1: Well, I'm doing the same. I'm taking the Cowboys in the point.
2: Is that, That's right. Is that, game, is that game at Kansas state?
0: It is in Manhattan. That is correct.
2: Man, this is probably the toughest one that I looked at of all of them. Um, man, alive! Uh, I'm gonna go with a mullet, but I, man, that's that. This game's truly a toss-up. I'll stay. I'll say
0: Oklahoma State, but then, man, this one's gonna be tight. Yeah, I'm the same way. That uh, I, again, I already said Oklahoma State, but it it is a very tough point to go with because Kansas State's really good at home, and they yeah. play. Extremely disciplined football. Uh, that will be a very close game, Wayne. Uh, any, did you have a final thought? No. I, don't. Uh, let's, uh, th- I, thought, I thought I saw you raising your hand there. No, so, I,
1: was, I was rubbing my eye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number nineteen, Kentucky, five and two at Rocky Top. Number three, Tennessee, seven and zero. Oh. Tennessee's twelve and a half point favorites. Over/under that one's extremely high, sixty-three and a half. Seven o'clock night game on ESPN. Wayne, we'll go with you first on this one.
1: Well, that's going to be quite a shootout, but um, even though that's a huge spread, uh, I'm taking Tennessee at home to cover on that one because uh, I think after this first couple of losses, Kentucky is now, uh, again, they're thinking about basketball, I think.
2: <laughs> it is a basketball school. <laughs>
0: uh, well, all right, I'll go. Um, This one's a tough one, man. The Wildcat season's kind of on the line here. Um, Guys, this is a really tough game to pick. I don't think it is. Twelve and a half's a, a high number. To me, I think Tennessee covers that. But there's something telling me in the back of my head that the Wildcats are going to win this game. But, again, I'm putting it on paper. I'm going Tennessee. But something in the and back of my head.
2: That's not telling you you're not that confident then, man. If you think Kentucky's going to win the game, just pick
0: them. Don't do it. I'm not that confident either way. That's what I'm saying. This is a really tough game to pick because Kentucky's got their backs against the wall, and everybody's written them off. And when a team does that, usually Coach Stoops gets them ready to play no matter who's the opponent. Um they've had a week off. They're coming in here rested. Tennessee had a, a, a cupcake last week, but they still had to play. It, it, it's tough, but I'm I'm going Tennessee to cover. I just I I that offense is too too uh too much right now.
2: Too much offense to me, too much Tennessee at home. They cover the spread. I don't think it's that tough of a game to call. I think Tennessee is a really Good team, and they got a shot to beat Georgia. That's how good they are.
0: They do have a real good shot about Georgia to, to beat Georgia. It's a, the game will be next week in Athens. But we're talking about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, 3:30 p.m. on CBS. Florida four and three versus the number one team in the land, the Georgia Bulldogs, seven and zero. Georgia's a huge favorite, 22 and a half. One of the biggest favorites in this series history, actually. Over/under 56 in this one. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lead this one off. Look, Georgia leads the all-time series 53-44-2, and I'm going by Florida standards. I'll be generous. Could say 55, 54 and 44, but again, I'll go by Florida <laughs> standards. Florida's given up 28 points a game. Georgia's given up just around nine a game. Uh, you flip that over. Georgia's outscoring Florida by 10 points a game. Georgia scores about 40 points a game. They score a little over 31. So you get where I'm going with this. I, I think Georgia's defense will hold them. I think no overlooking for the Dogs. I think Kirby Smart will have this team ready to play. Uh, I think Darnell Washington's going to have a big game. They're going to try and key on Brock Bowers. Um Dominic Blaylock may come out, and uh, he seems to start being healthy as a wide receiver and maybe the threat he was when he was first recruited to Georgia. So I like the dogs. I like the dogs by about 24 points.
1: Wayne, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick Georgia as well to cover, even though that's a huge spread. Uh, Georgia's just on a roll right now. And, you know, we talk about these neutral site games, and this may be one of the only neutral site games I think they should keep. Um <laughs> And and really, in some ways, the big winner in this game is going to be the state troopers of uh, t- uh, Georgia and uh, Florida after this game.
2: I like it. You know what? They are going to keep this game because it's all about the money, and the money is in Jacksonville. And the line is, what did you say, 20 what?
0: 22 and a half in favor of Georgia.
2: You know what? I like the dogs to cover, too, but barely. You know, this is Florida, look, this is Florida Super Bowl, okay? They upset Georgia and run their season. They're just simply not good enough. Georgia's defense is one of the best in the country. They get up for Florida, and they, they, they beat them handily.
0: All right, we're getting into two NFL games this week. You know, I love that. Ravens, four and three. Buccaneers, three and four. Thursday night football on Amazon Prime, 815. Baltimore's a one and a half point home favorite, over under 55. Again, folks, if you like the content, like, subscribe, and we go by Monday's spreads. Ravens, Bucks, Thursday night football. I'll tee this one off. Look, Lamar Jackson had a subpar game passing and running the football last week. They still got the W. I like Lamar Jackson and have a huge night. Um, this would be, if Tom Brady loses this game, this would be the farthest along in a season that Tom Brady has ever been under 500. I just don't see Tom Brady and the Bucs playing good ball. I really think Tom Brady taking Wednesdays off when you're instilling a Sunday game plan is, is really affecting his play on Sunday itself. And I like the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens to get the W and cover.
1: Yeah, well, I've, this may be one of the few times I actually pit picked the Buccaneers, but I, I think they're ready to bounce back at home. And uh, Tom Brady can put that uh, strange woman he's married to out of his mind and just win this game. And I know that's probably going to put them tied again with the Falcons, but uh, I, I just think the Buccaneers are going to win this game.
2: I just can't see the goat losing this one. The Buccaneers will play their best game of the year, and you know you guys can say what you want. But Tom Brady's almost thrown for 2,000 yards this year, has eight touchdowns and only one interception. He's played really well. Tampa Bay's problem is they can't run the gum football. I mean, they, I mean, they 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 rushing for three yards a carry. Their leading rusher is Leonard Fournette at 362. At three and a half a carry, and I'm telling you right now, they can't run the football. If they can run the football, they'll be fine. I don't know if they can run it against this Baltimore defense. Uh, they've had troubles on the offensive line. It hasn't been Tom Brady offensively. It's been the folks around him that's given them the trouble. I think the GOAT coaxes him up, and uh, they win this ball game and beat the Ravens. It's a must-win and a sorry
0: division right now in the nfc south hey that's our division you're talking about it is sorry you know what the the whole nfc is down there's not many winning teams in the nfc most of your winning teams are in the nfc east which is hard to believe uh we'll move on panthers two and five falcons three and four atlanta's a six point home favorite which is very strange over under 42 1 p.m on fox Taking the Falcons to
1: cover. Yeah, well, I'm taking the Falcons <laughs> to cover as well. But what I'm curious about is who's going to be the starting quarterback for uh, the Panthers. Uh, part of me thinks uh, it's not going to be Mayfield. but Or, you know, maybe he'll play part of the game. No, Wayne, you're, you're right.
2: It's not going to be Mayfield. There's no way it's going to be. It's going to be Walker again. He's the one that's Jay going Walker, to start huh? That's what they've already said. Now, how many – How many? what's the point spread on that game?
0: Falcons <clears throat> minus six.
2: Falcons are favored
0: by six? Yeah, remember, no Christian McCaffrey. There's also rumors that DJ Moore could be on the trading block before the end of the week. Uh, I think he'll stay. But that that's why I'm thinking Falcons cover. There's a lot of uh, moving parts in Carolina right now. Interim head coach. No,
2: no, 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 um, I, I, the tra- game's tra- trading, in Atlanta, play, tra- oh, I, tra- tra- I get
0: players, I, getting I, picks, they're definitely looking forward to the future, and sometimes that affects the psyche of a locker room, and I, I I like, that's why I like Atlanta. I was short and sweet, I was trying to be a little funny, Uh but Todd, uh, go ahead and make your pick.
2: No, no, I mean, glad, I'm glad you said all this, not a problem. Um, No, i like the Falcons to cover this game, too, at home, you know, they seem to play better on the road, strange enough as it is, but, uh, yeah, I I mean, they did beat Tampa last week, but Tampa's played uh, Carolina. I mean, gosh, this is six points. I mean, the NFL, golly, you know, Wayne always goes for the Falcons. Stop asking Wayne who he's going to do every week you're wasting, we're wasting our time. He's, he's going to pick the Falcons every week for the, for the next until the season ends. But, uh, you know what? I'm going with Atlanta too. Uh, I mean, when you look at this Falcons team, they've really overachieved uh, uh, this year. Um, if they play like they're capable of playing, they should win by more than six points. But they play better on the road than they do at home, if you ask me.
0: That's a very true statement. Uh, historically, since the Benz has been open, they have played better on the road than it's they have amazing. under you the know, lights of Mercedes Benz. It is absolutely crazy. Folks, that wraps it up here at ATL Prime Sports. Uh, Final thoughts on the show: Phillies Astros World Series, game one Friday evening. There's your primetime game. Go NL East. Go Dusty Baker. Uh, Go Brian Snickers, son. There's a lot of cool storylines in this one. Um, I I like the Phillies. Uh, I I do. I I think the Phillies stay hot and the storylines are there. I, I think they're going to blast their way to a championship just like the Braves did. But I would love to see Dusty Baker get one. I do think this will go seven. Uh, The Astros could win it. It's very tough for me to pick the Phillies. But I just think Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Reese Hoskins, that whole lineup top to bottom is very good. Gene Segura is a very underrated player at the end. And they got two aces, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Noah, who can both pitch – one or two times in a series, and that's enough to get you four wins. I like the Phils. You know what?
2: Philadelphia right now is last year is a lamp. I mean, they, I said, are-
0: they, they are riding the energy perfectly. They needed wins until the 162 ga- uh, game of the year. They were fighting their tails off. The Braves were too a little bit, but then they got that break. And Todd, you were right. That break killed them, and it really helped Philadelphia. So right. I'm riding with the Phils.
2: Is, is really, you know, they have, they're they undefeated in the playoffs. The break doesn't seem to bother them. They've got Justin Verlander. Uh, Houston has a loss, They swept a very good Yankees team who was struggling with the sticks. Very good Yankees I, team. I, I I like Houston to win it. I like Dusty Baker to get his first one, and I like Justin Verlander to get his second one. Uh, since leaving How about the Tigers. that?
0: Two Snickers in a row.
2: What's that? What?
0: Two Snickers in a row. Two
2: Snickers. <laughs> I like Verlander to get his second ring since leaving Detroit, and I, I like Houston to win it. Uh, I, I am pulling for the Phillies. Uh, part of my heart would pull for Baker, but I am pulling for Philadelphia. This is a magnificent story. Um, if they do it, it just shows you that the way they set this playoff format up, that uh, the underdog has just as much chance as a favorite Because of that break, and if you're a baseball player, you want rhythm, you want to continue to play, but Houston, they flipped it their way. So uh, we'll see.
1: Wayne,
0: your final thought on the show?
1: Well, you know, Memphis has got a home game uh, football against UCF this weekend, and uh, basketball season has started, and I'm anxious to see what the transfer from SMU Kendrick Davis is going to do at the point there.
2: season. I'm right with you, Wayne. I'm looking forward to, to doing uh, Clayton State basketball games. I've, I've got a game before uh, before JJ, and I head to Ohio next week. I've got Clayton State in an exhibition playing at Georgia Tech. I uh, can't wait to do that game, and then the men's game on the seventh. I am in a basketball mood too, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I really am. And uh, you're right, Wayne. Kentucky's a basketball school. <laughs>
1: Well, folks, that
0: wraps us up here at ATL Prime Sports. If you like the content, again, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe, a follow. Uh, Let's see what they call it, a a rating on the old uh, Spotify or Apple. Just do something, and uh, we appreciate it. For TC, for Wayne, I'm JJ. We'll catch you next week. Get you one.